This is the life of Brian, dot, 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 Mannix, that is, the podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier, I'm the host, and uh, the star of the show, of course, is Brian Mannix. That'd be you. Well, hello, Kevin. Um, I don't know that I'm really the star of the show. I think our guests are the star of the show. And we have two beauties today. Uh, We do. John Swan's first up, and then uh, Bill McDonough. Now, uh, a lot of people... Aussie Crawl. Yeah, the drummer of Aussie Crawl, and writer of many of Australian Crawl's biggest songs, including Downhearted and Things Don't Seem. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. John Swan, I tell you what, he's a saint. He is, and I've got to say, I reckon Swanee's one of, for people outside the industry, one of the most underrated vocalists in this country. Yep, and he's one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet, and he does so much for so many others, um, as you'll find out. But yep. um, I've always got on really, really well with Swanee. He's just a really down-to-earth guy, and um, even before I, you know, the band was doing anything, he was always really friendly and um, accommodating. Yep. And, um, yeah, I just get on really well with him. I love him. I don't know anyone who says anything bad about Swanee. He's just one of those blokes that everyone has, has over the years had a beer with and enjoyed his company. He doesn't drink these days. We'll talk about that in the in the interview. Uh, he's got a, a you know ongoing battle with that, but uh, he's always been a, just a, a really good bloke to be around. Yeah, I remember coming through Alice Springs back in the 80s and there was this big promotion, 4X Presents, win a night out with John Swan. And right. I thought, geez, you'd want to be a bloody good drinker <laughs> to go for a whole night with Swanee. Because <laughs> back then oh. when he was drinking, he could really put him away. Oh, no, he uh, he destroyed me on a couple of occasions uh, in the 3X Y days in Melbourne, I can tell you. Ooh, yeah, wee. great Ooh, bloke. Wee. Now, thanks to our very good friends at Murcotts, we're uh, we're here again. Uh, Murcotts, of course, that's murcotts.edu.au. That wonderful telephone number is 1300 555 576. Let me see if I've got that. one three hundred five 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 seven six. That's the one now. In fact, we're going to dial it right now and see see who answers. We're out of hours. We're not in normal business hours. So right. see, see who answers now when you dial one three hundred five 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 seven six out of normal office hours. Have a listen. Okay. Thank you for contacting Murcott's Driving Excellence. Our office is currently closed. For information on our programs, to make a booking, or to purchase a gift voucher, please visit our website, www.mercots.edu.au. Or you can email us at info at mercots.edu.au. Or if you like, leave a voicemail message after the time. Thank you. And look, it's me. Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> so leave a message after the beep. Say, G'day, Kev. No, no, to Mark Lane and everyone at, uh, at Murcotts. The Christmas safe driving gift vouchers are available now on the website, so jump on and get one. A terrific gift to give someone. And if you want to do something about your driving, defensive driving, advanced driving, that's what it's all about. They can help you out. Give them a call and talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> what a thrill that is for everyone. Oh, they're we? loving it. They're oh, loving yeah. it. Now, I wanted to bring up something at the start here. Mm. On the back of the last episode, which included our very good friend, Angry Anderson. What a great man. Talking about his new song, which you should check out. It's um, good. It, it is a good song too, really good song. Yeah. But you, mm. he mentioned that you were in Chopper and you yes. mentioned he was in Mad Max. Yes. 
Now, after a very long time of searching, finally Chopper is available for you to watch on your normal uh, streaming services. It's it's on stand. Oh. So I watched it because oh, I good. haven't seen it since it first came out. Uh and uh, saw your fabulous performances <laughs> uh, in it. There's the two the two pivotal ones when Chopper walks up to Bojangles, which was yeah. the nightclub. You were the were you the ma- supposed to be the manager? I was the owner. I was the owner or something. Ian yeah. James was the, Ian your, James. I had a name. Yeah, yes, you did. Yeah. No one called you Ian James, but you had a name. <laughs> I think I think Eric Banner might have said, "Listen, Ian, might have, he might have." Oh, in the second scene that you he in, might yeah. have. Yeah, because the first one is you, uh, you and the Jumper, uh, hey mate, come on. That's the one. He's yeah. walking up there and he's like the rock star who's just got out of jail. Yeah. He's going into Bojangles in obviously you know skirts the the queue because he's yeah, he's chopper. And I know him, so I let him very, in. Very important person with the gun. Have a good <laughs> night. They let him in. Have a good night. And he walks in, and when he walks into the nightclub, what's playing in the nightclub when he walks in? Bad boy for love. Yes. Wow, it's the uh, it's the the tat song, and I thought after angry going on last week about how how thrilled he was to be talking to you because you were in Chopper and he just loved the film and obviously loved Mark Reed. Um, mm. I thought that's interesting. I wonder if Angry actually has watched it and picked up on the fact that it's his song when Chopper walks into the nightclub after talking to you. Well, I don't know. We'll have to ring him up and ask him. But, yeah, um, so uh, I found that uh, I actually, found that most interesting. Mentioning uh, Bad Boy for Love. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody, as you know, but I will say this. There's a very interesting acoustic version of Bad Boy for Love performed by James Rain. I recommend people go and have a little listen to that. Okay. Well, you're going to hear James Rain later in the program because we're going to play, and that's part of the reason we've got uh, Bill McDonough oh, yeah. on, is, uh, is uh, Bill, of course, the drummer from, uh, from Crawl in the, in the Heady days. Mm. There's a new series of albums come out which mm. are called, is called the Desk Tape Series. Mm. And basically, all the money that's raised from this is going to go to road crews, to the uh, to the road crews, and you can check it out on Black Box Records, and it's on all the streaming platforms that you could possibly think of, and some you've probably even never heard of. Uh, they're there, and there's everybody except Make Uncanny X Men. Yeah, yeah. So Spy versus Spy is there. Um, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last press release about I got. Scraping the bottom of the oh, barrel. Stop it! That's not fair. Worst band, <laughs> no, one of the worst bands in Australian history. No, that's not true. You know that. Well, yes. no, they had shit songs. They were shit bands. <laughs> they were shit. I'm sorry, Kev. I can't. You know, people know me. They don't want to hear me lie. They want the truth. No, from me. all they right, fair enough. Well, the truth. That, spy versus is- spy. Oh, if they were playing in my well, backyard, I would hard. shut the blinds. <laughs> Fair don't, don't go too hard. Who else is there? Well, you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, well, the, every, everyone you can possibly think of. The, well, the list well, is the list give is me massive. A, give me a list. Oh well, now you want me to pull the list up. Pull the uh, list I, up. I can probably do that on this email if I can find it. I versus. Well, fancy going to them ahead of the X Men. What, what's what's their song? Do they well, even have a hit? <laughs> they were friends with Midnight Oil. That's about it. Uh, here's the Spy versus Spy thing. Uh, it's at the Prince of Wales in 1984. The one we're going to play for you is Aussie Crawl at Billboard in 1981, yeah. uh, which actually sounds terrific. And this, uh, right. as I mentioned, all the all the proceeds are going to the Australian Road Crew Association, so to uh, ARCA, I think they're called, uh, the Desk Tape Series. Now, Spy versus Spy, I'm just I'm reading the press release here. 
yeah. in 1984, Sydney trio Spy vs. Spy, or V Spy vs. Spy, as they were actually. Yeah. They were on a high. They had almost. <laughs> <laughs> they were on a high. They were never on a high. Stop it, bro. Their high is about an inch off the ground. It, oh, they were on a high. They They're celebrating <laughs> mediocrity. Fair <laughs> <laughs> They were on a high. <laughs> They'd learnt to play G7. <laughs> now, stop it, Mannix. Okay, they were they, on a um, high. Okay, so the the rest of the release reads, and the man who wrote this is a very good friend of mine. They're almost, they'd almost broken up. But signed to midnight. <laughs> Stop it! There's no room for editorial about, content. Talk about bad luck. They almost <laughs> broke up, but they didn't. Damn it! Um, anyway, they almost but, broke up. But they didn't. Right. Yeah, but, but they signed. They didn't. Oh, this is just going to get worse now. With the next sentence I'm about to read. Come on, read oh, it out. Come oh, on. Oh, strap, strap yourself in, folks. Here we go. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> I'll start again. But they're on a high. They'd almost broken up, but signed to Midnight Oil's management and label, and the mainstream was opening up for them. <laughs> Stop it, from you? Yeah, it was opening uh, up for them, but they had to deliver a good song, which they couldn't do. Well, they did Danger Man, which was they did a, a version of the, uh, of the television theme show. Remember Danger Man? Patrick uh, McGowan. What was his name? Yes, Patrick Patrick very good, yeah. uh, which they watched every morning at 3 o'clock in their squat and, and did that. They also did another song called Mugshot. I, I must admit, I, I'm not very aware of Spy vs. Spy's work. I'm, I'm nowhere near as aware Nobody of you, is very aware of Spy vs. Spy's work. <laughs> and, it. and it's a good thing. <laughs> you, there are sometimes you can be quite, quite vitriolic, can't you? No, I'm just passionate, Kevin. It's passionate, passionate, is it? Passionate about my music. Okay. I either really, really love something or I detest something. Well, and, let's, um, I think we've, think we've worked out which side one. of the line that this one falls into. Uh-huh. The Desk Tape Series. All right, let me take you through who's in it. Okay. The models live at the Overlander Hotel in 1980. Great. Jimmy and the boys at the Astra Hotel in 1982. They won't let my girlfriend talk to me. TMG at uh, the Fairfield Hotel in oh, 1982. That'll be all right. Yeah. Ted, I like Ted a lot. Uh, oh, Ted was terrific. Uh, Wendy Matthews live in 1994. Okay. Russell Morris and the Rubes at the Palladium in 1982. Cool. Doug Parkinson and the Southern Star Band at, uh, in Perth in 1979. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, that'll be all right. He's a great, 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 great singer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Crowded House uh, at... That's part two parts there in ninety two ninety four. Although they're always terrific live. Yep. Dutch Tilders, uh, Neil Finn live on his own. Goanna live at the Canberra Workers Club in nineteen eighty five. Dutch Tilders got in before me. Gee. Whoops. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Men at work at in Christchurch in nineteen eighty two. The one we're going to play a track from Crawl at, at uh, Billboard in nineteen eighty one. The Falcons at San Remo New Year's Eve in nineteen seventy six. Cool. Chisholm at the Corner Hotel in 1988. Could be good. Um, Captain Matchbox Whoopi Band in 2011. They got asked before the X-Men. Yep. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, I don't Here know if I should mention this one. Come on, mention it. Uh, Who is it? Oh, it could be. This could this could bring. Um, Come on. Recorded live in Amsterdam in 1985, Red Gum. 
Oh. <laughs> I hope they've got a, 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 a live version of Roll It On Robbie, the one about the condoms when AIDS come out. That was a beauty, wasn't it? Uh, so there you go. So that's, I was uh, that's, only 19, that mate. Was a sele- that's a selection of some of the ones that are available uh, on the desk tape series. Some of them sound great. Yes. But let's not let's not procrastinate any longer about that. Let's get to our first guest, who's got a greatest hits album out at the moment, which is available on all those uh, wonderful platform uh, series and uh, some terrific songs in there. He's done some versions of a few old songs on this too that are terrific. But let's let's have a chat to uh, our old mate John Swan Swanee. These days, with um, music, you know, the more you do yourself, the better it yep. is because. You know, if you make a mistake and it's your mistake, well, I made the mistake. But I hate things failing because somebody else around me made a mistake. Or that's uh, my, my, my big thing in life, you know, because I've done a lot of things where I've made massive mistakes, Brian. You know, I put my hand up. I'm, I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, blew that, sorry. You know, I, yeah. I make a, amends to those that's appropriate to. The, those I don't can go fuck themselves, you know. Yeah. And, well, you know the story. You just got to be yourself. You can't be. Yeah. Uh, I, the thing that I love about you is you never ever changed all the way down the line. You were always Brian Maddox. Yeah. Now, be it the quiet Brian Maddox that we all know, there's a lot about you that people don't know. You know. Oh yeah, you know. You're a really kind man. I, I don't know if you remember when you were when you were just starting to get really big, but. Uh, niece was in hospital in Adelaide, and she's massive Brian Mannix fan, you know. And I said, "Darling, I think you need to get more surgery." <laughs> <laughs> and she said, um, "You know, do you ever see Brian Mannix?" I said, "Yeah, catch up with him every now and then." You know, we sort of come across each other at Hey Hey Saturday or something, something silly, you know, or in the middle of the night at fucking bananas or something. Yeah. And um, I told you that she was sick. And you went out and visited her, and yeah. she never forgot it. I never forgot it. From that day onwards, you were guarded. You were my little brother, you know, because <laughs> not many people go out of their way to help anybody else. They usually, it's all about them. You know, what can I get out of this? Yeah. You know? He didn't. He just went straight away. Yeah, fuck, that better keep yeah. happy. Cool. Oh, thanks, John. But, but you know, no, I no, think... No, no, no. Mate, that's what, that story's been told a million times around Australia, you know. Well, you know, I think as musicians, we're always pretty, you know, as Tina Arena was saying recently, like, you know, if there's a bushfire or a drought or yeah. a tsunami, we're the first ones to donate our time and services to raise money and yeah. all that sort of thing. I got shot and I, I, I auctioned off my gold albums, you know, and Did he, was only, yeah. he was only just out of, um, you know, just going on his first patrols type of thing and he got called out to some... Something and um, they shot him twice in the chest. Uh-huh. High black range, you know. The guy's just got his new wife, new baby, moves into the new house. You know, they're only just married too. You know, we're, we're talking yeah. somebody who's battled all the way, and um, he's got his life together and he's joined the police force. And it wasn't so much because he was a police force. I just felt so, I felt empathy for him. I felt so sorry that a young guy that, and that child's going to be brought up without her. Dad, because some yeah. imbecile has decided to pull the trigger. He's so fucking loaded on cocoa or ice or whatever it is these days. You know? Yeah. Personally, it's um, it's just sadness mm. for me. And gold albums don't mean jack shit. I never came into this business to get gold albums and platinum albums. I came in to have a good time and play rock and roll. You know. 
I'm doing yeah. what I did now. I'm nearly 70, and I get up in the morning, I play my guitar, um, play. I don't necessarily need to play live because uh. that, that's, that part of me is is sort of uh, starting to get the shits with, you know, doing the same songs every night, and you have to do them, and it's your job. Yeah. It's your job. And yeah. uh, what, one of the big things about yourself, too, is that you're an entertainer. We're there to entertain them, number one. That's what we get paid for, mate, yeah. you know? So yeah. if you can make them feel good and have a good time when they go home, start, if you want to be entertained, go and see Mavish and Orchestra, because they were great, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's educated, you know? But if I want to be entertained, I'll go and see a million ex who just know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. One of the things you said to me when um, we were doing the countdown, countdown extravaganza. I didn't know it was your sister. <laughs> <laughs> but now there was this one night I was sort of sitting there and I was, I just didn't feel it, didn't have the vibe and I was just going, oh, I'm really nervous tonight. And Swanee comes up to me and he goes, now listen, mate, when you go out there, that's your stage. You own it. No one else owns it. Just get out there and do your thing. And it was just the the perfect pick-me-up, and I went, yeah, right, I'm going out there, I own the stage, come on, here we go, and it was, it was a lovely rev up I from mean, No matter who's on that fucking stage with you, this is something I don't think you're aware of. You go out there and you can say, oh, yeah, this guy's a better singer, or that guy's a better singer, or that guy's better looking, or that guy's taller, or that guy's fucking smaller, or whatever it is, and that's just something in, in you that fuels that, you know? But when you walk out on that stage... You forget that you're Brian Mannix, and yeah. Brian Mannix is a great guy and a funny guy, and he's the most amicable person for the crowd. The crowd's just going to go. I said, Russell, Russell Morris says, "Oh, mate, I'm not fucking singing with you. You fucking blow, you, but I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? I'm just going to sing a song. I'm not going to go and try and be fucking Pavarotti. You know, you want me to sing bad? Just <laughs> <laughs> that easy. <laughs> Let me a drink again." <laughs> uh. But and Russell goes, oh, and I say, mate, you walk out there and you go, oh, mama, mama, oh, mama, mama. They go, who the fuck is Swanee? You know? <laughs> <laughs> who was the fat guy on before Russell? <laughs> hey, how long has it been since you've had a drink, John? Twenty-three years. Wow. And wow. No drugs, no cigarettes, no nothing. Um. Do you still miss it? Oh, yeah, every day. Okay. I'm, I've fought <laughs> the constant battle, you know. But, but I've never. I don't profess, I don't bullshit about it because uh, people expect to, you know, everybody expected me to be sort of leading people who were having problems with drink, which I do. I yeah, do, you know, yeah, I'm aware of that. I'm one of the old-timers, they call us, in, in a. You can't carry the alcoholic. You can take a message to them. And you can offer them it, and it's up to them to make the first move. You yep. know, like I, I, I still know to this day. After I get middle of the night, get a phone call, and it's somebody who I've been working with for about three months. Uh, I have a coffee with them every day, and I do bits and pieces. You know, and it's not to be a good guy. It's just that people did it for me, and it was guys like uh, you know, some one of the guys in the Hurugurus and uh, Ian Miller and people like that. They they took me under their wing. And they really knew how to protect me because they had done it. They, they had that coming off of coke, speed, acid, drugs, anything that moves. Yeah. And then you'd, you're an alcoholic on top is very, very hard to do. Yeah. It was a lot of years of that. And now what I do is if they're serious and they want to help, 
help themselves first. Get sober, go to a couple of meetings, and then come and talk to me. And we'll sit down and we'll really work a plan out. I've paid for them to go into rehabs and stuff like that, you know. Wow. And people say, yeah, it's all right for you. You know, you make money. I haven't got a freaking cent, mate. I've made nothing out of this. Everything yeah. I've had has gone back into over the last 15 years. My beautiful wife, we broke up because of that, because I was paying too much attention to everybody else out there, getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning, going to Powies of Care, sitting mm. there and playing, you know, all the same songs, you've got a guitar player. <laughs> and, uh, but you, you get to go on somebody's brilliant journey as they leave this bottle coil, you know. they. Yeah. I had a guy who I went in and his wife from me and said, come and have a coffee with him, he's a big fan. And I said, yeah, sure, of course. Because I took a look, you, you changed, that changed me, what you did to my... I'm just going to say, what you're doing seems a hell of a lot um, bigger no, than no, anything I've done. It's the fact, it's the fact that you did it, mate. You know, that's the, that's the thing. You know, they they need you at that time. She was sick, you know. But yeah. the, anyway, the, the point being that I went in there and I said to him, I, I played Better Be Home Soon and a couple of other things, because you can't sing too loud in palliative care, you know. like you Yeah, know, right, of course not. Folks gather in their masses. You've got to be a little little more subtle. And anyway, the... the the nurse came in and she said, oh, the other patients want to know if you can sing out in the hall so they can hear you. So I finished up playing to them. And when I got to the last car, I was pretty knackered because it taxes you. Emotionally, you get taxed when you see yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Fine. And, you you know, one of the things that I've, I've learned to do, I, I, I can be... You can be as nice a guy as you want, but sometimes for the person concerned who's dying, you have to be a little bit of a bastard because I say to the family, you know, can you give, I'll do it, but can you give me five minutes alone with them, you know? And no. they go, oh, you're not going to start preaching religion into them. Go, no, 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 I just want to talk to them. They go, yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, the kids go, then have a coffee, and they get something to eat, they haven't eaten for days, you know? Yeah. And um, I sit there and I say to the guy, how are you? And he goes... I'm fucking terrified. But all of a sudden, they drop that guard that they pretend that they're putting on for the kids and for the wife and for the mothers and that, you know. Because yeah. they're dying. They, nobody's asking them how they are. They're asking you, be okay while I'm here, will you? Because I can't stand seeing you hurting like this, you know. Yeah. And it's just a chance for them to be real. And yeah. Either, and a few times I've had them just turn around and say, you know what, nobody's ever asked me that. And now you've given me a chance to just accept where I'm at. And I said, okay, well, I'll come back tomorrow. I said, what's your favourite song? He said, oh, while my guitar gently weeps. And I went, oh, Chris would be. Um, <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll, I'll work it out tonight and I'll come tomorrow. He said, don't spend too long on it because I might not be here. And I said, get that fucking thought out of your head for a start off because, you know, you've got to at least be trying you know, if you mm. want to win a lottery, you've got to at least buy a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I went back the next day. He was there and I, I had to play, you know, I looked at you. And it was, oh, man, okay. worst version you ever heard in your life. He loved it. I swear to you, it's just now I, I've learnt what it is to be, you know, I, I don't have the same judgment. The, uh, the Buddhists call it a uh, joe. It's judgment, opinions, and expectations. If you drop them, you're in a pretty good place with the friendship of anybody, you know, even if it's somebody you don't know. Don't judge them.
don't have an opinion on them and don't have expectations that they're going to live up to your standard, you know. <laughs> and a that's, good heart that's, and wise. No, but that's not me. That's what I've learned from these people. You know, they're on the last bones that are us. They teach somebody on the way out, you know, and for that I'll be eternally grateful, you know. That's what music does for me. That's what yeah. my, That's where I could take... I don't have to be good. I don't have to be Jimmy. I don't have to be freaking John Stevens or anybody like that. I you just roll up and I be me, and I just sit there, play my guitar, and you know, I've never had one of them. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> and the kids are saying, "Oh, you know, do you know any Jimmy Barnes?" I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> when he starts singing mine, I'll sing his. Okay, shut up, <laughs> boy. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that giving you? Is that giving you a different kind of joy in in singing that you didn't have? Well, that's have? the only reason. I'm back to where I started. I came into to I got into a band. We were in a garage. Well, no, I was didn't have a garage. It was who am I trying to kid? Yeah. <laughs> I was in the state. <laughs> but you know, we played with guys who just were learning, and we all loved what we were doing. You know, it gave us a purpose. Yeah, uh, and those of us who stuck at it and went on, you know, I've only done two things: played in the army and played in in music. You know, yeah, I wasn't much of a soldier, and I was kept going. Hey, well, I went hey, well with Billy Thorpe. Norm Sweeney put me in the back of the truck, and I got out of <laughs> detention centre there, and it was good because um, I got to see. Thorpey again another two nights before they caught me. <laughs> but I enjoyed the army too because I met a lot of great blokes who were in there. I'm working at the, at the moment with a, a big, a big, a really big thing down in Canberra for the return of the soldiers on the 11th of November. And all the soldiers who are coming back are all got PST. Some of them have been there 20 years, mate. Yeah. yeah. But I'm fortunate enough to be working with guys who have been in SAS and intelligence and stuff like that, and they are telling you what it's really like, not what we see on telly, you know? Yeah. I love those guys. Those guys, yeah. they put their ass on the line for us. There's a few guys in rock and roll who put their ass on the line for me, you know? Mm. And I'm internally grateful for them. Yeah. Yeah. Very serious, very sorry. That's all right. That's no, perfect. Well, we'll go. We'll go silly now. And uh, so, on, you look at your greatest hits. What, what, what song oh, is yeah. the one right, that you? What, what song's <laughs> the one you go? Yeah, that's that's the one that that's the one that tells Next everyone. Next one is a hit because it's going to bring royalties. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know what? I I don't have a song like that. I, I really don't. I like them all for different reasons. I've got songs that I've written that I love that never get played. No, honestly, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't have favourites. I have songs that I've wrote for a particular reason. There's a song called Carrie Ann. Um, uh, Carrie Ann was. Uh, I was uh, well off my brain in uh, was it Manzarum. Remember the Manzarum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, do it. Yeah, you're yeah, yes. off their brains <laughs> at the Manzarum. <laughs> The guy came up to me and he said, oh, I've got this movie coming up, you know. And there's all sorts in there, so you don't know who's telling the truth and who's not. And yeah. he said, it's about the little girl and, and her dad and she can't see, she can't hear and her mum's blamed herself and taken her life and all that. Oh, was... Anyway, I went back and um, I took the song to him and 
he didn't have a clue what I was talking about. He was just cocked out of his head, uh, like laying a rave. Good rave, but, um, you know, it just shows you how I was believing it. Um, <laughs> so it was bullshit. It was total yeah. bullshit. But it finished up being used for the spastic kids. No, oh. I'm, sit I'm sitting at the grand piano playing piano, and there's this little girl over in the corners. She got off her wheelchair and she crawled across the floor, you know, like sort of gossip. It was the biggest effort. And I'm, I'm looking at everybody crying because I'm singing away. She got there and she was holding my leg and she wouldn't let it go. And I got to tell you that if one of your songs ever touches anybody like that, wow. it's, it's a very special moment because it touched me. It yeah. meant something to somebody else. Sweet young gold raven hair, pale blue eyes and a vacant stare. She doesn't hear a word I say. Struck her down at six months old. She fought so hard, she seemed so bold. But what's so young, it seems a shame. Can you hear what I say? Carrie Ann, can you hear the drums play? Sometimes I stop, I'm sure she's heard The faintest sound, the softest word It keeps the hope in me alive The high-pitched sound of a bell that rings The sweetest voice of a bird that sings the music box where the dancer turns I don't sit down there and try and be Don Walker or anything like that because Don's a unique character, very intelligent man. Yeah. Um, I failed recess and, you know... <laughs> I failed I'm, I'm recess. Writing a book as soon as I can get some new crayons. <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean? It's not, it's not about fame and for I think that's where I'm... Um, what I'm trying to say, greatest hits is is lovely to have. It's nice to be able to say that. Okay, we've got a greatest hits album. Yeah, you know. But I, I, I just like to keep playing music, and it would be nice to be able to play music with your peers that you've grown up with, because we've got, we've all grown up as you know, gone through the same things. No matter, yeah. Kevin, remember back at was it three X Y? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, with Sue Smith, and you know, she was gorgeous. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. But she, her and Hansy and stuff like that. Remember Steve Hans, the yeah, of course, I remember Steve. You know, he was one of the best Australians I've ever met in my life. You know? Yep. And they worked their ass off to try and get you successful. Yeah. Not for not for the money. They go way beyond that. You know. Yeah. You know, that's why you play music. I don't play music for any other reason except it brings me immense joy. I now get extremely nervous because since I've been sober, I'm, I've reclused. Yeah. Because I'm not able to get up and, and sort of... People expect me to be something I'm not, and I'm not going to be something I'm not. You know, no. I get really nervous. I get so nervous I can be sick. But before when I was being sick, it's because the coke was bad or there was too much of it. Yeah. You've sculled too much scotch. But now it's it's actually vomit because you can't, you're shaking like this. You know, Brian, that guy that told yeah. you about leaving the, leaves the fear at the dingley. I still talk to kids at schools about that. Yeah. I say, there's your fear. You're going to leave it at that thing. You're going to walk out to that mic. And you're just going to sing. And when you walk back out there, you can pick the fear up, okay? <laughs> yeah. I can tell everybody what to do, but I can't 
do it myself. Yeah. It's just I try not to uh, do gigs as such, unless they're good gigs and I'm going to be with mates. Yeah. You know, like with the Empire thing, that was great. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, and it's, I'm out for three songs and I start the show off and, you know, I get to see my mates and, yeah, you know, and when I wanted to, I could jump in the cab. Once everybody starts partying, I'm fucking the happiest guy in the world for them, but it's time for me to leave. Yeah, because yeah. Either the bullshit barometer goes like that. <laughs> <laughs> everybody all of a sudden becomes sportsmen, you know, they become beauty queens. <laughs> Yeah, or right. bigger than they ever were, you know. Like, but I just get in a cab and go back and watch a football. I'm easy. There's there's a good side to it all, and that's that. I'm not trying to be. Uh, before I was trying to. Uh, when you're earning money, you know, you're earning really good money, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember. Um, but I was trying to buy things that made other people think, look at me, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm trying to live up to June's expectations and trying to be, uh, you know, he's got a Ferrari, I've got two, I've got a Mercedes and a Jag, you know, I've got a boat on the harbour, I've got five acres in Sydney and all that stuff. Yeah. You know where all that is now, mate? Gone. Yeah. I just put it back into more albums, you know, I was an idiot. Yeah. But the point being... I was never brought up with that type of home life where your parents knew, because they lived from week to week, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And on Thursdays, he'd hawk the old man's suit that he had knocked off somebody else, and they'd pawn it, and then she had to have it out by Friday night so that he could go out on Saturday wearing his suit, you know? Like, Mate, that's, that's really entrenched in you. We, we talk about working-class men, point being... I don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations. If I decide I'm going to do a gig, it'll be a good one. Because I'm lucky. I've got people like you that come on stage and you always make, you know, you either take the piss out of me, which I love, <laughs> and, and you walk out and blow feathers up in the air, you know, and I've just sung Lady What's Your Name and he blows feathers up in the air. And he goes, <laughs> what's, what's the what? <laughs> How can you, you tell know? when someone's just gone down on a chicken? Then out comes yeah. the bed. <laughs> Yeah, but one always know, works. But you, it works every time, man. Yeah, it does. And, and, and that's what entertainment is. That's entertainment. How's the voice, Swanee? Yeah. I'm teaching every day, so my voice is better than what it's ever been. Oh, wow. I mean that sincerely. I don't yeah. mean that. Um, it's hard to be humble. One of the most powerful <laughs> voices in Australia. Oh, absolutely. If he's not blow the, the, roof, most blow the roof off the joint voice. It's, it's, it's more or no that. I try to look for what the song needs as opposed to give it yeah. the... Because I was trying to compete with Jim for so long. That's, see, that's a that's just a mistake. You try to compete with... Try to be like somebody else or because everybody else likes him, you try and be like that. Now, Jim's my little brother. I love him to death regardless. If he was a fucking mother, I'd love him. You know? Yeah. And the fact is that people used to... Get, they'd, they'd compare you. And for a long time, I was really jealous of Jim. You know, no, mm. I'm not jealous of him. I'm, I'm back to being, I love you no matter what. I, and no yeah. matter who you are or what you do for a living, I'll always love you, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a nice place to be in life. I'm not at that point where, you know, I own an old guitar and I own an old Mercedes and I'm living in this one-bedroom flat, you know? Yeah. 
I'm happier than what I was when I had all that money because I was so fucking sick. I couldn't get off the lawn out the back. I'd have a hammock in the middle of there, three gardeners working around my acreage. And, oh, and I had a driver who used to drive me into town to the boat. The boat was like the bar. It was 35-foot boat from a bar, you know? Wow. And you get out there and, and all you do is watch... Watch cricket and talk and drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I was parked next to uh, the Furs Brothers boat, so you can imagine what it was like. You know, it was a, it was quite a salubrious occasion. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic albums to me will always. I'll, I'll, I'll always keep doing it because I like. See, a lot of people that that have bought my music over the years really like it. And yeah. they don't buy it if they don't like it. That doesn't mean to say it wasn't a hit. It's a hit for them. Yeah. You know? And I didn't go out there to try and make... I didn't go out there to be Paul McCartney, you know. I knew that my yeah. songwriting was just a sideline. Right. But occasionally you come across something like when my sister's baby was born, Matthew, and you write something that means you can't put in a letter. Yeah. I'm, yep. not real, I'm not the best one at communicating that type of emotion or love. So if I can sit down, I only know three chords on piano and I play them that way. That's all the chords that's in Matthew. You know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you don't need anything else. No, sometimes yeah. your, your limitations are um, the things that make things unique. Well, see, I think your limitations are something that, that's one of your best assets. Yeah, it, I agree. It gives you a reason to fucking get up in the morning and go and do something better, you know? Yeah, exactly right, exactly and right. And it may not be, I don't go out my way, you know, like, I would I'd hate for you guys and your audience to think that I go out to do things better. I don't. I just go out to do things because I think it's right and because I can. Yeah. And because if I don't, I'll go friggin' nuts. Yeah. yeah. I'm missing the drink. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you, can, you can lie all you want, mate. It's the truth. You fight a daily battle one day at a time. You know, sometimes it's one hour at a time. Yeah, right. Especially when you you get nervous and that, because what happens is uh, when I was with Lynn Rendell, I was playing drums, and I think we were in Horsham or something near Christmas Day, and I went, I just got this panic attack and I run off stage. But I didn't put it down to the fact that I had been, a year before that, I had been molested by some fucking taxi driver idiot. And um, I blamed me. I didn't blame him. Yeah. And I just panicked on stage. And I got up and I run around the front. And as I'm going across this big bike, he stopped me. And he said, where are you going? I said, I can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. He said, yes, you can he said, I can wake up yourself. He said, you're having a panic attack. It's nothing here. Have one of these. And he poured me a big black label about that size. Yeah. And I sculled it, you know. 13, 14. It went down. Brian, you'll yeah. know this part. He <laughs> hit the sweet spot and went, pingo. Ah. <laughs> I, I immediately went, you know, hello, I'm back. <laughs> on stage, you know, got up behind the key. Lynn, baby, smack her on the ass. That <laughs> <laughs> became the, the one thing that fixed up my problems and until you get to a point where you need more of it and more of it and more yep. of it because it doesn't, it doesn't always do what it did the first time, you know. Yeah. It's, I just enjoyed the drink as well. Yeah. Because you know, I enjoyed that I could be an extrovert. I could go up to chicks and be... be yeah. Oh, be Mr. Cool. Jesus Christ, I'd love to be breastfed by you, Don. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cool. Yeah, Mr. Cool. Mr. Swab. Yeah. Oh, right. I, I was a cross between friggin', uh, what's his name? Uh, the Minister for Culture Attaché. Celeste Patterson. Yes, Celeste oh. Patterson. 
<laughs> and Gough Whitlam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, know, you, you become all the things that you want to be when you've got a drink in you, now, especially if you take as much as what I did. And yeah. you know, I'm honest with you, you don't drink a real lot. You just, you just sit oh, there steady. Yeah, you know, I sort of drink steady. I don't like um, getting really pissed. I like being a little bit merry and, yeah, as you say, you know, That's you, walk, you walk a little bit taller and, yeah, I'll, ready, I'll, I'll nail yeah. this. It's not a problem. I like the confidence it gives me, but um, I don't uh, I don't like being a, a sloppy drunk. That's, yeah, uh, I think that's that, something that, you do when you're 18, but, you know, at my age now, it's just a bad look. Yeah, well, see, I was doing that at 13 and I finished at 48, you know, like, so it was a long time. Yeah, and, okay. And yeah. that's where it, it comes to alcohol. You've got to go to the place, the source of where the damage was done and what it is, yeah. and then we take them through it like a psychologist would, only better, because we got nothing to fucking gain. We don't want $300 an hour off them, you know. Just yeah. want to sit down, and it's nice to hear somebody else's story because you don't feel alone. Yeah. I'm not the only one that was molested. I'm not the only one that's fucking parents broke up. I'm not the only one that didn't have anything to eat. Yeah. And I didn't fucking care, mate, whatever I didn't have anything to eat. I had love in the house. And I had a great time. It was a good yeah. childhood. I was boxing champion at fucking really early age. I was in the state soccer team. You know, anything I did, I did really well because yeah. I wanted to please my dad. Yeah. Now, we must have lived in different houses because each one of the kids, the six of us, we've all got different perspectives on what that house was like. To me, yeah. it was the same as what everybody else's house was. All my mates, dads did the same things, you know. And maybe I choose to remember... The good things, the love, the yeah, you know, the stuff when they haven't got enough money to buy you a pair of boots for, to play soccer, and you're representing the state. And my dad sold his box, you know, put his boxing cups up for Scottish champion and British champion. And he put his boxing cups up to get me a set of boots. Wow! And then they had to get them back, you know. Not yeah. the boots, the, the cups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. But, you know, like it's, it's the sacrifices that parents make, and. So, being parents yourself, you'll know. You've got kids now. No matter what you've done in your life, your kids, you've given them the best things that you could possibly give them with what you knew at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, you know. Yeah. And for me, certain things should left unsaid. That's all. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a good call. Oh, well, they're only human. They, they, yeah. no, she had me when she was 16. She had fucking six kids by the time she was 21. She yeah, didn't know adolescence. What does she know? You know? Wow. What does he know? Christ, look at us when we were 16, mate. Yeah. Oh. It's scary, isn't it? I'm yes, not much it better is. now. I just look older. Uh, yeah. there's, a 16, there's a 16-year-old idiot thumping around inside this head. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to keep him intact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, John, it's been lovely catching up with you, mate. Thank you so much for your time. It's been nice to have a chat and see it's your face. And, uh, music. I'm sorry, boys. I get, I just get, when I get in front of people like yourselves, I just enjoy seeing your faces and talking again. You know? uh, no, it's been good. It's been the, good. Greatest, the greatest hits is out now. Yes, and with that, all the usual places, you get that at all the usual places. Yeah, get it at melodic rock and, and places like that, you know. Okay. I, I think that's it. Um, and we look forward to you. I think have got it. And you two doing something. 
Yeah, that'd be so, great. Yeah, oh, no, that, that, see, that's a definite. I've got to speak to you. Away. I, and I don't want to put you under pressure. Uh, look, no, 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 I'd love to do something. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to, son. I, but I want I to do pick, it. I picked something in the highest key. Oh, uh, no. The highest key. <laughs> you know, I'll do it and in the I'm, I'm going to get Tim to do that, and I'm going to do the. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Oh, yeah, I'll do that too. Yeah, I'll be down no, there too. It'll be, you know, it, the thing is that what it will be. We will have fun when yeah. we have fun, and it goes to record. We play it to them; they'll have fun. That's fucking yep, that's right. Manix and Swanee and fucking Tim there have had a great time. Yeah, no, exactly. no matter where we are, we can roll up at each other's gig and get out there and sing that song. Absolutely, and you get a fucking lift to the audience. Yeah. We don't want money. I don't. I, you know, I, I'm not sort of. I, I'm at that stage though where money's probably one of the things that's uh, because I haven't got it. I don't miss it. I don't. Yeah. Need, I'm not an yeah. I'm not a needy person because I've had everything that I've but more than what most men would have in their life. Yeah, but I've I've lost the most important things, and that you can't yeah. buy them anyway. Well, just that was it. Hey, thanks, John. Lovely to thanks, see you. Man. Lovely to see you. It's great. And um, look after yourself. You still look young, you bastard. What have you been doing? Who, Mannix or me? No, me. you. I'm, I'm going all right. Hello. Thanks, boys. God bless. Take you. care, mate. Look after yourself.
There you go. That's uh, John Swan, our mate Swanee. That uh, greatest hits uh, album is available. All the streaming platforms you want to grab. And, of course, he's got a website as well and Facebook and all the social media platforms. So support our mate Swanee because he, uh, he is a good fella and he does uh, he does do some some beautiful things in uh, in the community. And right now, welcome to the middle bit between Swanee and Bill. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> now you're back gigging again. You've got uh, some some shows coming up between uh, now and Christmas, and uh, the world's starting to uh, starting to resemble resemble slightly. Um, and I know the music industry takes a little longer to to kind of catch up because of the logistics, yep. but uh, it's starting to resemble slightly the the real world again, which is nice. It is nice. It's um, yeah, it's it's good to. Uh get out and uh, do some work and, you know, have a little bit of a purpose in life again because I haven't had a yep. purpose in life for 18 months. Yep. And I went over to Adelaide during the week. And mm-hmm. interestingly, um, I had to have a COVID test before I went and then as soon as I got there, I had to have another COVID test. But do you reckon anybody checked whether I'd been double jabbed? No. Oh, really? Nobody checked whether I'd been double vaccinated or Have not. you got the green tick on your I've phone? I've got the green tick on my phone. Yes, yeah, so I can't get the green tick on my phone because no one in any government department can get a Medicare app to work on my phone. Boy, what are there they trying to prove, Kev? I don't know. I'm double jabbed. I've been double jabbed for ages. I'm, I'm proud of being double jabbed, uh, you know. Uh, I have to carry the certificate around with me and then I have to show ID because I could just have printed the certificate up with Kevin Hillier's name on it. Yeah, you could have. They um, dynamite on the test, but didn't bother to check whether I was double jabbed. Anyway, do, don't do, do you? I mean, do you not get d- checked for d- being double jabbed before you get in a plane? Uh, the girl at, when I was checking in my baggage, somebody had a quick look then. But, okay, um, but she was nothing to do with my flight. It's interesting in, in that um, this vaccine. Well, you know, other vaccines that we had, like you know, if you have the vaccine for German measles. You don't get German measles. If you have the mm. vaccine for polio, you don't get polio. You get the vaccine for COVID nineteen. Well, you know anything could happen. <laughs> yeah, it is. That is that is kind of strange. And and to be honest, and that's why people uh, are saying, well, why would I have the vaccine if I'm going to catch the thing anyway? Even after I've been double jabs. I mean, that there's a logical process there that makes sense to me in some ways. I mean, I'm happy to be double jabbed, but yeah, I sort of think. Oh, look, you know, I'm so sick of lockdown. I'd just rather yeah, take the chances and continue the way we've been. And I think there's a lot of people who who got double jab for that very reason. They said, well, look, I, I don't want to sit here and not be able to go to the footy or go to the gig yeah. or go to the supermarket. I'll whack a couple of needles in me and off we go. But but I really respect people's right to say, no, I don't want to be jabbed. Me too. Um, you know, it's, it's their body. They can do what yep. they want with it. And, you know, it can take their chances. Well, good luck to them. I I don't think mandatory vaccination is a good thing. It's against yep. the Constitution. Written, spoken and authorised by Ian James, Bojangles nightclub owner of No Fixed Address Now. Gamble responsibly. Yeah, All right, let's get to our second guest, who is, of course, a man best known as the drummer with uh, with Australian Crawl, writer of some of their biggest hit songs. His name is Bill McDonough, and we're very happy to have him on The Life of Brian. What a lovely fellow. Hey, Bill. G'day, Brian. Nice to see you. I will speak with you again. Nice to speak to you, mate. I uh, hope you're well. I'm fighting fit. All right. Well, the first the first and most obvious question before we talk about this desk tape series is what is Bill McDonough up to these days? Oh, well, okay. I'm still very active in the music industry. We've got our Australian crawl company still active. 
uh, because we're signed to Universal Records worldwide mm-hmm. and QMG, Universal Music Group Australia out of Sydney, and they've been fantastic. We escaped the clutches of EMI, and I'm sure Brian will resonate with what I'm saying here. You know, when, you, when you're not with a great record company, it's not a good experience, but when you are able to uh, get involved with a company that gets right behind the band, it makes all the difference, and that's what's happened uh, since 2014. E- EMI stands for every mistake imaginable. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> yeah. hey, who, who were you signed with? I was with Mushroom, but then we went yeah. to CBS or Sony, and um, yeah, well, the Mushroom was a lot better deal for us than CBS was. Yeah, but you know, well, they, that's the way they, it works. They've been fantastic. They really reinvigorated our back catalogue. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they've been doing a, a number of you know releases. They did a greatest hits that went platinum in two thousand and twenty. Over wow. seventy thousand units. Oh wow! Great. Which is extremely surprising, you know, considering our age. No, they've they've got some really good results. We've just done a fortieth anniversary Sirocco. We did a fortieth anniversary Boys Load Up the year before. We've done box sets. We've done vinyl. It's been great. It's been fantastic to see the band's music really selling well again. Yeah, I bet it would. Good hey, for the bank balance, Brian. Well, you yeah, wrote, well, you wrote you know. some of those bigger hits, didn't you? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I don't profess to be a Guy McDonough or a James Rain. I wrote a number of songs for the band, seven of which were recorded on albums, and I wrote a couple of singles. I co-wrote Downhearted with my brother Guy, and the sadly just recently departed Sean Higgins. And I also, yeah, poor old Sean passed away a few weeks back. Tragic. Anyway, we're we're getting to that age, you know. And I also wrote uh, Shutdown, which was the first single off the third album. Oh, well, well done. They're all great songs. And, you know, often drummers don't really write a lot of songs, so extra well done. Yeah, well, I tell you what, um, I was always a bit pushy, <laughs> much to James's horror, you know, because, you know, uh, Guy and, and James were a bit like, you know, like Jagger Richards or Lennon McCartney. They, they didn't like other people. Uh, pushing in on the songwriting, so it was a it was a bloody battle to get songs uh, recorded with those two guys. Yeah. My guy was my brother. Guy was always on site. He you know he was um we were very very close, so he wasn't a problem. But James was very territorial when it came to um you know the songwriting. So is there kind yeah. of a bit in Downhearted that's your bit, or is is that is it a you know a group? Yeah, pro- look, no, I, pre- I don't profess to have written a great deal of that. Primarily, I'll tell you the story. That song came about when Guy and Sean and myself and a guy called Nigel Spencer had a little group called the Flatheads. Yeah. And that was in between Spiff Rouch, which was the forerunner of Crawl, and Australian Crawl. And uh, the, the Flatheads were like Guy and Sean's writing bands, and that's when they wrote Things Don't Seem and Downhearted and Diane and a whole lot of other tracks that ended up being either played or recorded by Crawl. And my input for Downhearted was just some lyrics in the third verse, I think. Mainly the music was written by Sean and Guy, and the lyrics... Two-thirds of the lyrics was written by Guy and one-third of the lyrics by me. Oh, wow. Great mm-hmm. song. Yeah, it is a good song. So well, yeah, well, classic. 
Mm. Hey, Bill, you wrote so Indisposed, what, didn't you? I co-wrote that. I co-wrote that, yes. I co-wrote Indisposed, yeah. There were four of us on that one. Um, Jim, myself, uh, Brad Robinson and his old man, who was a, a judge at the time, old yes. Judge Robinson, yeah. had a crack. <laughs> wow. He was, he was a bit of a character. Is he came up with the line, guilty 10 years, yeah? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Was Indisposed written, uh, and I read somewhere when I was doing a bit of work on this, was that written about James having a car accident of some description or being hit by a car or...? Yeah, it was. It was a true story about him getting bowled over by a car in bloody Elizabeth Street or Collins Street, somewhere in, in the CBD. I'll tell you what happened. Probably by a judge. We're, you know, we're, well, no. <laughs> no, he, um, the Australian call lineup had really started with a band called Spiff Rouch. It was the identical lineup, except it didn't have big, tall Brad Robinson in it. And that, right. we had a bit of a punch-up, you know, a bit of a sort of musical differences, I think they call it, and we split, but then we came back together again under the Australian Crawl banner. And, you know, we were broke and just starting, and James was the only person we could afford to send up to EMI in Sydney to talk about a record contract and it was on his return from the airport that he got off a tram and this clown came through and cleaned him up. Oh, wow. And the first person he rang was me. So I raced him to you know, where he was and I took him to hospital. Jeez. Subsequently, he had two broken wrists. Which which made for a very um, impact performance on Countdown because when he first came on Countdown, he had the broken arms. And I remember yeah. him going, you see the guy on Countdown with the broken arm? <laughs> it was like, it was like a, a gimmick almost because like I'd never seen a bloke singing with broken arms before. And I think it, it made a real impact, I think. I think you're totally right, Brian, because a lot of people said to me, was it a gimmick? <laughs> I can assure you it wasn't. A couple of times when I've thought about doing Australian Crawl on my Countdown play, you know, yeah. get actors to play everybody and all that sort of thing. And I thought, well, if I do Australian Crawl, James has got to have broken arms because <laughs> that's that, you know, that iconic countdown appearance where he's got the broken arms. And, um, yeah, never forget it. So what are the, that, these death tape records? What's, what's the go there? It sounds very interesting. Well, um, ARCA, you know, the Australian Road Crew Association, approached us, yeah. um, you know, with their concept of doing this death desk tape series to raise monies for um, their members who, as we know, um, have been somewhat disenfranchised from support in their elder years. Like a lot of um, guys that work in the entertainment industry and particularly the rock and roll industry, you know, there was no such thing as superannuation or... Um, insurance or anything like that, and even even if there was, I mean, you know, you remember the good old days, Brian. I mean, these guys worked their guts out. Yeah. They they loved it. They were a breed amongst themselves. They were a clan, a club, and they just did it because that was the lifestyle they loved: being on the road, being part of a rock and roll circus. But as they've got older, you know, they're they're showing signs of those years of excess. Yeah. Um, because so what, they're yeah. always the first to arrive at the gig and the last to leave. And, mm. you know, I know a lot of roadies, they did a lot of amphetamines because mm. they kind of had to because to get yeah. the job done. Because, you know, they'd be 
they'd get it at a gig at, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon and then leave at 3 in the morning, you know. It was a really long day for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, and that's why. I mean, they, they were heavy on the fags, yeah. uh, you know, and they were heavy on the speed and, and heavy yeah. on the on the drink as well. And I think that's taken its toll on a lot of them in terms of their physical wellness or lack yep. thereof. But also I think, you know, as you get into your 60s, I don't know how old you are now, Brian, you're a bit younger I, than me. I just turned 60. Yeah, you're much younger than me. I'm, I've just turned 69. Uh-huh. And, you know, the crew that, um, you know, were my era, they're in their late 60s, you know, if not early 70s, some of those guys. Yeah. And, you know, there's also mental health issues as well because they don't have, you know, the monies that I've fortunately been able to acquire. And, you know, it's hard. So we said, yes, we'll help. We'll, we'll provide free of charge anything that they wanted so that they could, you know, put it out and the money's raised from the sales of that go towards helping these guys. No, it's great. No, it's good. Mm. And the lineup of talent that have, uh, that have you know, given uh, their, their tick in the box to this to be able to make it happen, you know, Neil Finn, Men at Work, Crowded House, um, you guys, the models, uh, Russell Morris, everyone's, everyone's had a crack at it, so it's really good. Almost everyone. Well, okay, okay, I can't find the uncanny X-Men, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if we had a good line. I don't know if we had a good desk tape. You never hear the guitars because they were too loud on the stage. You just hear bass, drums, and vocals. That was that was my concern. I thought, shit, you know, I remember the old desk tapes. They were all pretty crappy. Yeah. This, this one that we chose was uh, at Billboard where it was mixed by not necessarily our sound engineer at the time, he was probably mixing front of house, you know. Yeah. But this guy was actually mixing to an, an in-house system. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why it's a little bit better. It sounds good. Then, yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, I've heard. I've, yeah, the only song good. I've heard is the boys line up, which will is the one we'll play. But it sounds bloody good. Yeah. 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 I actually haven't played the drums live for I reckon twenty years. I, oh. I only play in the studio. So I just had to had this urge in my sort of mid sixties. I thought, "Fuck! If I don't get back into it, yep. I won't be able to do anything at all." So yeah. I thought, "I better do it now before I get too old." Did you enjoy being well, on the road, Bill? Did you like uh, the road part of crawl? Yeah, I didn't mind it. It was arduous, as Brian can, will testify. Yeah. Yeah. There were moments that we, you know, um, it, it was tough, hard, slog, but. Yeah, yeah I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was good fun. Yeah, it was exciting and um, it was a new town every day and, you know, new places to see, new people to meet and, um, yeah, no, it was, it was a lot of good fun, a lot of good times there. Those, but as you say, it was really long days and hard work and especially if you had to do um, press for your record or something. So you'd be up at 6 o'clock in the morning doing Donny Sutherland and then you'd be doing press all day, and then you go to a gig that night, and then it's like, wow, you know, it was tiring. But, yeah, and um, then you'd be in the car the next day or on the plane the next day, and off you go, motel, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So no more touring for you, though? No, look, um, I'm just so busy with my businesses and stuff like that. Um, I won't tour. No, I'll just record. Is there a gig that sticks in your head, the one where you're sort of, you know, sitting on the drum kit thinking, 
shit, this is all right. This is good. This is this is how how I envisaged rock stardom to be. Yes, there are. I don't know whether you did these, Brian. Did you ever do the uh, My Music Bowl ones? Yeah, yeah, they were great. You know, like the the Rocktober, the freebies. Yeah, you get a hundred thousand people there. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I did that. I walked out. Uh, the band took the stage. The roar of I don't know ninety hundred thousand people. Uh, just about it hits you in the chest. Yeah, you could physically feel the sound in your body. Yeah, and uh, actually, I freaked out. <laughs> I, I didn't often freak out. I was pretty seasoned by then, but I hadn't been in front of a hundred thousand people before, and. Uh, I, I sort of uh, got a little bit nervous there for the first three or four songs, but then settled in after that. But yeah, that was very memorable. Wow. Yeah. And um, I know I know you probably yeah. get asked this question a million times, but why didn't the crawl make it overseas? Well, there was a number of reasons. Uh, um, we would have if Guy hadn't died. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Yeah. Guy would have taken us to international stardom because of two reasons. One, his unique vocal quality and, and and his songwriting. In fact, what I was trying to do with Call before I was ceremoniously uh, required to leave uh, was I was pushing the band to relocate to the States and basically start from scratch there and just go over, live in LA and just start from the bottom of the ladder again. Start writing songs about American experiences because that's one of the major reasons we were told by our early record companies in the States was that Australian call was too parochial. Right. They said that, you know, no one in America wants to hear about songs about manly fairies and Madeliza, you know. They couldn't relate to it at all. And the second reason they gave us was that, you know, you listen to a band like ACDC and ACDC has what they call a story a sound story, you know, like yeah. every song sort of like sounds the same, but it, but it's different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they've got that signature sound and it's all sort of like good hard rock, whereas Crawl could be reggae one moment, rock, solid rock the next, and then a ballad after yeah. that. And, yeah, they just wanted us to have more of a signature sound. And the third and final reason was no one could understand what the fuck James was singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't that, wouldn't that negate point number one? Because they wouldn't even understand that he said Mandaliza. It could have been anything. Well, I think so. I think it might have been number one. But, yeah, they were highly critical of his diction. <laughs> I had a bit of trouble with um, things just don't seem when I first heard that. I yeah. thought it was bang, sister, long saver, oh, we're going to die. And <laughs> yeah, ages until I found out what the real words were. Yeah, well, um, I, uh, there's, I tell you what, there's another song. Uh, here's an album that I put out earlier this year. Kevin, have a, see if you can track this down. It's been released by UMG, and we put it out as the McDonough Brothers, and it's called Lost and Found. And it's 13 tracks that me, Sean, and the Flatheads and Guy wrote for Crawl. They were demo tapes that we tarted up, uh, firstly for Guy's posthumous album and then secondly as, as a release as Lost and Found just for the archives. And there's the original Flatheads version of Things Don't Seem with Guy singing it. Ah. Oh, okay. 
Okay, so if you have a listen to that, you might not be so confused. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to put it out as um, an Australian crawl record, um, but, you know, look, James wasn't happy about that, so we oh, put it out okay. as the McDonough Brothers, yep. Lost and Found. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. There's 13 tracks. I sing five on those, and I think Guy sings six or more, seven. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, no, I'm glad you told us about that because that's something that I don't think people would find easily or would be or would even be searching for under that name. Obviously, yeah. I mean, you mentioned Guy's passing. That uh, is obviously something that lives with you every every day. Oh, it does. Yeah. Look, um, it was a tragedy, an absolute tragedy. It was a tragedy for. I mean, it was an immense loss. I mean, you know, he just shouldn't have died. It's just fucking dreadful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had so much promise and so much um, ahead of him. I, you know, I, I'm I'm totally convinced he would have been, you know, Neil Finn too. You know, yeah. came out of a struggling crawl and then formed his version of a crowded house and had had some international um, success. He, he was that good a writer. And uh, you know, just before he died, he pumped out two classic tracks, which are on Lost and Found, um, called My Place. And memory, you know, you got, when you listen to these guys, you've got to take into account like these are demos that yeah. we've tricked up a bit. You know, they weren't finished article. But if you ever listen to Memory in My Place, you know, and he that was he he wrote those for the core fourth album that he never made, and then after that, I just couldn't get I just couldn't get into it. You know, I just couldn't find anyone else I could be part of. Yeah, because um, you know I wasn't super talent like he was, you know, vocally and songwriting. So I had to sit on someone's coattails and it would have been Guy. And then after that, you know, after his death, I basically just walked away. I produced um, produced a few bands for record companies and I, pro- I did some jingles. And uh, then I was a consultant for a company in Perth and then I thought, oh, bugger it, I'm just going to try something different. So that's when I moved. We brought the farm down here on the peninsula and I thought, bugger it, I'll give it away. Yeah. So uh, that's when I reinvented myself into the construction industry. Got, you got, said you do a bit of demolition these days. You've got a demolition <laughs> yeah, company. Is this, yeah, got a by, is this inspired by trashing a band room? You thought I can trash a band room so I could maybe step it up a bit, trash a whole <laughs> building maybe. Yes, exactly. If it's sort of like cold chisel to that set, it counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yes. It's called Aussie Demolitions. Well, I've got my son in the business now, so it's been a good little... Um, but a good little business, okay. you know. Yeah. You, got, you guys were big in Brazil, though, weren't you? Because you, we sponsored, you sponsored the Bell Surfing Competition. Yeah, yeah, we were. And the whole um, Brazilians took your records back, and then they sort of got really popular in Brazil, I believe. Yeah, well, you know, apropos of Kevin asking why we didn't make it in the state, yeah, our biggest territories yeah. in terms of record sales was Australia, New Zealand, and Brazil. Wow. <laughs> Did you know Dan Harden was the top 10 in, in Holland? No, no, I wasn't aware of yeah, that. Yeah, it was, but, but not our version. It was a version, uh, a, ba- a Dutch band called Solution covered it. They were produced by a guy called Jim Capaldi out of Traffic. He was the drummer yeah, out of yeah, Traffic. Yeah, the drummer in Traffic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he produced it. And that went, I think, top 15 or top 10 for them in Holland. Oh, that's great. Wow. So that's a bit of a name for you. Oh, not much, no, but um, after Australasia, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Asia, um, yeah, the big sales were, the biggest set of sales was Brazil. 
Yeah. And, um, yeah, and that was all to do, you did right, Brian, it was, it was all to do with the, uh, our association with the... Um, Bells Beach. Yeah, the World Surf um, scene. Yeah, because you, you sponsored Bells Beach one year, didn't you? I think we did it twice. Yeah. And uh, ironically, um, I did a... An, Paul Williams, the bass player, and I, who are very still very close friends... Um, yep. We did a an hour plus long podcast with the World Surf League this year. Oh, uh, back in August, it was really quite, quite funny. The young guys that run the World Surf League, what well, they're all under forty, they're all in their thirties, and, and we've got this request for um, an interview. You know, a Zoom recorded video interview with them. And the young guy uh, who was one of the bigwigs in the California setup over there, he's a mad crawl fan. Wow. Yeah, like he's discovered the surf rock music and he just loves the band. So he, <laughs> he did a big interview with us, you know, and about, you know, the, our surf, sort of like surf coastal influences that um, were very, very important to our songwriting. Stuff. Are you the Brian Wilson surfing type rock star or are you the Dennis Wilson surfing type rock star? Well, no. If you go and have a look at the Errol film clip, you will see us doing our own stunts. Oh, that really is you? That is you? That's us. Yeah. Okay. Water skiing, surfing. Yeah. Guy was a good surfer. Paul was a good surfer. Guy and I were, you know, flailing skiers, water skiers, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Swimming champions. We're all swimming champions. Guy was actually a Victorian schoolboy champion. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. freestyle. So um, James was a swimmer. Brad Robinson was an elite athlete. He he won the Moore Prize at Peninsula Grammar for best all-round athlete. No, we were the real deal. We did it. Fair yeah. enough. Just wanted to check there wasn't a sandbox in the middle of, you know, the Mount Eliza sh- uh, mansion there that you just yeah. sit in and write songs. No, no. We, no we, yeah. You know what we used to do? We, uh, uh, there was a... There was a stage there. There's a line in, um, I think it's Things Don't Seem, it's sort of Muscle Beach Action on the Lawn. Oh, no, it's another one. A, a, song, a song called Hook, Line and Sinker, called Never Recorded, Guy wrote, and it says, you know, Muscle Beach Action on the Lawn. And we used to do, we used to dive off the pier at uh, Canadian Bay and we used to swim about two nautical miles around the Davies Bay, a uh, yacht club, where all the pretty girls were. <laughs> so we'd arrive via the water, all pumped up muscles, <laughs> muscles pumped up, muscle beach action, and it worked. I can tell you it worked. We got lots of really nice chicks out of that. <laughs> good they were very impressed. So you should. Oh, very good. You put in the work. <laughs> I, we did, yeah. It was terribly sh- It was terribly, um, um, you know, ostentatious and showing off, but, I got the girls, I can tell you. <laughs> got the job done, that's all that matters. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, good on you. That's terrific. Lovely to speak yeah, to you, Yeah, good on you, Bill. Yeah, yeah all the best, Brian. Lovely to talk to you. Cheers, mate.
All right, that's Australian Crawl from the Desk Tape series that is uh, live at Billboard back in 1981. Billboard was a good gig to go to. It was. It was. I love Billboard. Do you remember the little waitresses that had those little skimpy outfits on? I was in the VIP section, Brian. I oh, I didn't care. <laughs> I just liked the little waitresses with the um, little skimpy outfits on. I went out uh, with one, actually. Did you? Yes, I did. Is that and right? And I still talk to her every now and then. There you go. She's up in Queensland. She's a lovely girl. Go. All right. Anyway, little okay. Those I just thought of when you said billboard. I just remember those little skimpy outfits that the waitresses wear. That was great. Oh, it was a good gig billboard. I love billboard. It was a great gig. I used to go there a lot to, to catch the late band. You know, I yeah. often go to somewhere else like you know, Chevron or something and catch someone early and then go to billboard, sort of finish the night off. Yeah. No, no, it was good. It was a classy sort of venue because it was sort of yeah. like it was sort of like a Vegas showroom rather than just a stinky old pub. Uh, and I always found the sound at Billboard to be really good in terms of, uh, and I don't know whether that desk tape series is a, is indicative of, but the sound was always good at Billboard. You always heard everything the band did. I remember seeing LRB there. I remember seeing Goanna there uh, the mm. night of uh, the big uh, the big fires um, in February back in eighty. That would have been. I think oh, it was. when Ga- Goanna set the stage on fire. No, they that didn't set the stage, stage on fire. No, they no. It was the, the it was out here. Nothing changes. <laughs> not in a hurry anyway. <laughs> then bang, flight stages on fire. 
Marcy's running around screaming. No, they're getting, uh, they're reforming for some gigs too, which is very exciting. Ooh, that'd be good. Very exciting. I they'll go pretty well. Yeah, they will. They're good. Shane's great. I love Shane. And, and Marcy, obviously, we've had on this podcast. Uh, she's terrific. So it'll be good to see them back together. There hey, that's, uh, that's the end of this uh, particular episode of uh, Life of Brian. We've got some goodies coming up. I've got a couple of spoilers. Mm. We've got our Christmas show next. Yay. We're going to have an and uncanny Xmas. Uh, we are. We're going to have an uncanny Xmas, and uh, amongst our guests for that will be uh, Vince Maloney, of course, who was a member of the Bee Gees back in, uh, yeah. in the heyday of the Bee Gees. So we're going to catch up with Vince, and a few other people will be popping in to say hello as well for our Christmas uh, edition of Life of Brian. So we look forward to that, including mm-hmm. Mark Lane from uh, from Murcott. So oh, make yeah. sure you take advantage of the uh, the safe driving gift vouchers available for Christmas on the website. That's murcotts.edu.au. Or give them a call, and that number, Brian, is one three hundred triple five five seven six. Very good, Brian. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And is Mark coming on the show? Give us some yeah, latest yeah, exploits we'll of to, Joe Walsh. We'll talk. No, we'll talk to. Uh, we'll talk to Mark. Because he's good the, mates with Joe Walsh. He is good mates with Joe yeah. Walsh. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. One is day. Alice Cooper going to pop in on the Christmas show? Oh, I'm waiting to hear back from Alice. What about Mickey? Mickey Dolenz. Waiting to hear back from Mickey. He's right. been been very busy doing the Monkey's Farewell Tour. Been going down right. the street too. Follow yeah. him on Facebook and they've been going very well, him and uh, him and Michael Nesmith. Good on him. Good on him. You know. All right, we'll see you for the Christmas show, Brian. Take right, care mate, of yourself. I'll, 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 I'll look forward to it and uh, thank you for um, everything you've done today, which is Not pretty much. much fuck all, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usual standard fare. That's it. Yeah. We want uh, how, how much we want Kev to do? Just the normal. That's it. Okay, that's fine. Okay. All right. Take care. Thanks, Look Kev. Look after yourself. See you soon. Cheers. Well, Spy versus Spy won't be on the fucking Christmas show. That's one thing I'm sure. No, of. I wouldn't have a mop. <laughs> <laughs>